What, what is that energy telling you? Like, what are you excited about? Like, what, what do you want to go out and get right now? It's really just a specialty facial bronzer and moisturizer. <laughs> PowerPoints, power lunches, conference calls, reply to all, endless meetings, constant check-ins, and so much wasted time. Are you sick of the BS? So are we. It's time to take our time back, rework the way we work, and make every call a call to action. This is a podcast for people who want to stop talking and really start connecting. This is After 12. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to After 12, 12 for 12's original podcast series that talks about cool companies, brands, messages, and makers, and what compels us to take notice and become fans. As always, I'm joined by my co-host and life partner, Mr. Joshua Rush. Josh, wave to the camera. Hi, camera. We've got another great show for you today. Our guest is a designer, producer, influencer, contractor, sales and marketing maverick, an Emmy award-winning TV producer host of HGTV's Elbow Room and a spokesperson for pretty much every national brand there is. <laughs> He's also the owner and lead creative of Wadeworks Creative LLC, an agency focusing on design, architecture, real estate, and building really cool stuff. Internet, please join me in welcoming Mr. Chip Wade to the show. Chip, how's it going, man? Great, thanks for having me. There's going to be a huge applause track there. <laughs> yeah, we might need it. <laughs> <laughs> How are you and uh, Polly doing during these these fun days of national pandemic? You know, we're good. I mean, I got three little kids, and we're all just kind of posted up here. Work is crazy busy, actually. So um, I know it's not for everybody, um, but I feel very blessed that uh, we're kind of breaking away at a strong clip. Um, Kind of every day is the case of reinventing myself, uh, that's, but that's kind of what I do. That's in my blood, and I, I thrive off of that. So this is just kind of another day in the life. Um, but no, I still feel very fortunate that people are um, still engaging. They're doing things. They're just more cautious, and they're tentative. So your what our clients and what we provide as a service to people has to be really compelling, uh, and it has to be um, uh, innovative. Uh, but that's what that's what I love to do. Uh, and so, again, it's another day, another day in the life. <laughs> Have you seen I mean, because you do a lot of home and lifestyle stuff. Have you seen uh, certain sectors or certain industries um, being more responsive or having, you know, marketing budgets to to contract with you to, to, to talk to you about different projects? I, yes. I mean, actually, the home and lifestyle category, coincidentally, is one of the, you know, the arenas um, that is being quite resilient through this. Um, we're definitely seeing some volatility in some of the commodity-based stuff, um, furniture, things like that, you know, that uh, where I think it's more cautious uh, pumping of the brakes, but there's mm -hmm. also brands that are obviously uh, in great increase. Um, and there's still a cognizance of being responsible and, and trying to forecast for some of the unknowns. Uh, but again, with the right tools, the right um, creative uh, brands are absolutely still working through this. Uh, and this is actually a great opportunity to reinvent the way that we uh, do business, not only with brands, but how brands do business with their customers. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's an exciting time, actually. Hey, Chip, just just for people who don't know, you know, how, how did you kind of, you know, take us back to kind of how you got into this business um, from, you know, when you left Georgia Tech to, you know, where you are today, just so people know. So um, it's kind of a meandering story. I'll make it quick. Um, I did. I went please, to Georgia Tech. Please, 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 yes. We'll cut it. 
<laughs> uh, I, did, I studied mechanical engineering because I didn't know what else to study and thought it was pretty broad. Um, but I always loved building, design. I was a structural engineer and did some electrical engineering work. It was really compelling, cool, right out of college. Um, but then one day, lightning struck. I got a random spam email from a neighborhood association that a show on HGTV was moving to Atlanta. I thought, hey, don't they need a young, hot shot young engineer to be cameo on the show? Sent out a self-promotional email about myself because never be afraid to brag about yourself. <laughs> and uh, you know, lo and behold, I got cast as a sidekick carpenter on a show called Design to Sell. That was like 15 years ago. Never went back, right? I've done 600 plus episodes since, 14 different shows straight for 13 or 14 years. Um, and through that process, I learned a lot. So uh, the first five to seven years, I was more, I was on camera, but I was the everything guy. I learned how to do a lot of stuff, but I also at the same time learned a lot about production, what worked, what didn't work, what annoyed me that I thought I might could improve upon. And that's really what compelled me into some of the businesses that I have now. So um, starting through that, obviously having an architecture and design business is not a far uh, reaching uh, uh, cry for creating a business that actually serves consumers that I got in front of, people saw the projects that I would do, they liked what they saw, they called me, I said, hey, this is a business, right? So it was a, a needs-based business, which is um, which are you is sure it wasn't? Are you sure it wasn't those uh, shirtless photos of you on the beach? That it could yeah, have been. It could have been. I say you attack <laughs> from all angles. <laughs> you got to attack from all angles. You got to see what hits, right? There are a lot of worms in the lake. Something's going to bite. <laughs> That's great. So, so we did all that. Um, so now I'm into real estate. Uh, it kind of goes hand in hand with my architecture and design firm. Pretty simple. That, that's understandable. But the production side of things is a little bit different. I've always had a desire and a knack for solving problems. Uh, and just the experience that I had just being around production for many, many years, it's kind of put me in the forefront of saying, okay, I love products. I like telling stories. And I have maybe a little bit of insight into some of the technologies that are out there to be able to better tell those stories. And that lent itself to just uh, kind of getting me on this track of creating solutions, mainly for brands in the home and lifestyle category for talking about products because I had a significant amount of experience using, installing, designing, uh, and implementing installations of products for years and years and years and years. And that level of experience maybe gives you a little bit of insight. Um, well, and so I got a lot of plates floating up in the air, but that's what I love to do. I love to connect those dots, somehow bring them together in a new concept, solve the problem, spit out something awesome, and then go do something different. That's, that's kind of my day-to-day. Well, you've been influencing before influencing was a thing, too. I mean, it was influenced by expertise, actually doing it. And then having that camera experience gave you an ability to really hone your salesmanship. I mean, you you are like the most deft master salesperson I know. But I mean, it comes from a very legit place. You're interested, you're curious and everything. Sure. How much of that is like, you know, innate? How much did you have to learn? How much did, did being on TV teach you? You know, it's a good question. I mean, I don't discount any of the experience. I mean, doing television for more than 10 years, I mean, certainly gives you some level of experience of resiliency in front of the camera. I mean, basically, you just have to forget that a camera exists or else mm -hmm. you're not going to survive doing television or any other type of media. Mm -hmm. uh, if you clam up or you get nervous, just literally have to let go and kind of let the armor down a little bit. Um, but to your point, selling is, I believe, 60% actual tactical strength of knowledge of the technical and the actual ability to deliver high quality goods. The rest of it is how committed and excited are you about what you're, what you're selling and what you're providing. I get told more than anything else that it's my passion for what I'm presenting that is the contagious thing. 
Um, and again, I never noticed. I never noticed you being super, super excited about anything, Chip. <laughs> I Meanwhile, love it. I love it. it's fun to create, right? I mean, what is cooler than having an idea, right? Maybe it's a crazy Nothing. idea, and then putting it into physical form, dressing it, and then shipping it off to school and having a brand buy it, and then it actually converts, and then they come back to you for your advice on what to do next, like. How cool is that? Who gets the well, opportunity to do that? That is, well, that, uh, that's no, I mean, cut to a clip of you combing an American girl doll's hair. And all the way down to the bottom with no snarls. <laughs> but you know, I mean, Chip, we, we've been working together now for, uh, about three years or so. And wow, yeah. I think, you know, it's um, it's that, that, that art of the possible. I mean, I, you know, I mean, Adam knows this about me, but that's what kind of, it's what gets me up every day. I love the idea of having big ideas um, and getting people to connect to those ideas and see them as a solution is, and see them as a way to go forward. And I, and I know that's why you and I work so well together because it's just right. like, yeah, the, yeah, we can do whatever it is that you want us to do. Right? It's just a matter of time right. and, and energy and, and sometimes budget, but uh, but, but really but it's not Josh, even about the budget, I mean, it's, it's about the idea. For us, what has made this last longer than one excited bout with a company is the fact that we've done them the portfolio that we build together and the awesomeness that it is, the undeniable awesomeness. Somebody else could sell business with our portfolio, <laughs> right? Because it's amazing. So again, it, you can't have just positivity and ideas and sales, no, you know, right. experience. You have to back it up. And I think that that's maybe the thing that maybe I, it's not that I struggle with the most, but the most that I get stereotyped about is I have the luxury of I can use some of the past production experience and name dropping to be able to get on the phone with pretty much anybody. But if you don't have something legitimate uh, to, to, to provide to those people, they don't care who you are after mm -hmm. three minutes, right? So mm -hmm. that is really where I feel like I don't want to, you know, sell even you short and what y'all are doing over uh, at Echelon is, I mean, we come through. Right. We have thoughtful, really creative, innovative ideas, but the execution is also there uh, in such a way that's undeniable. And that's well, the magic pair. Well, and, and Adam, I think, you know, if you had an Emmy on your shelf, maybe <laughs> maybe we'd go further. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get I'm you one. Wearing it around we'll my get neck. you one. Exactly. Exactly. It's the little bling that you can walk around with. Um, you wear so many hats, though, Chip. I mean, is it difficult when you meet somebody for the first time to describe your own brand, who, who you are, what you do? It is. In fact, I mean, I've kind of, I haven't given up, but I've intentionally keep the creative tab on my website very vague because people come to me because people have worked with me and then they give my name. It's a very word of mouth type thing. I mean, I'm sure maybe a brand might have happened across my website. Fantastic. They want some type of interactive. That's great. It happens, but that's not my core of where we really get business from. It's that it's, it's really a, an experience thing. And then I proactively go after brands and concepts where I feel like technology has a purpose. Um, mm. I'm a huge advocate of not doing things for the sake of creating shiny objects. I've talked more brands out of doing things that would probably have paid money for me to create. Um, because I really did not believe that they were going to be in fact impactful and I did not believe that they were going to convert. Uh, I love to set up 
engagements where I'm so confident that if I get the chance to do it, that it's going to lead to more business by the fact that it, it performed so well, not because, yeah, because at I, the end of the day, it, you know, it's all about sales. I mean, if you cannot convert on sales, um, you know, and, and you have to try as marketers, we're going to try different things, but we need to be able to pivot quickly if things aren't working. And, and we certainly don't want to provide solutions that, that, you know, amount to gimmickry. Right. Yeah. But yeah, to yeah. go back to your question, I do wear a lot of different hats and it is hard to kind of pin it down. That's why when I talk to somebody, another strategy is I don't go in kind of hell-bent on trying to sell you what I already have in my mind. It's very, very important that I talk to you and through natural conversation, your needs start to rise to the top. And then if I really have a value add to provide you, that's where we go. Um, at I what point of that right. journey does your shirt come off? <laughs> you you got to read it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to watch their eyes, you know. You, know, you got to be opportunistic. Is there a type or, of... Or give uh, me one of these, you know. You know, do the pops. <laughs> Some pops. Is there a type of project that you, you gravitate more towards? Is there something that, I mean, you know, you're doing Rachel Ray's segments or your Fox and Friends segments on camera stuff, or do you, do you like, you know, consulting with a homeowner about, you know, ways to blow out their backyard, or do you like, you know, talking to a brand about ways to position a product or launch, launch a new line? What's, what's, what's kind of your sweet spot where you're like, I'm, I'm having fun. You know, the sweet spot is having the assortment. It really is not doing the same thing over and over and over again, because I do get bored is not the right word, but I feel like I get stale, right? Mm -hmm. I get complacent. Yeah. Yeah. Like Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, like Josh. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. do that. I don't want to do I, that. I thought you were going to say your sweet spot is in a canoe going upstream uh, at the Chattahoochee River. Johns Creek is a great place to take a step back from the day to day, relax and enjoy the human spirit. All with a good paddle up the Chattahoochee. Hunting That's human beings with a bow. <laughs> or, yeah, on, on the ninth take, right? <laughs> you remember what? what, what? I'm what coming in. That's right. <laughs> what? Who was that for? What do we do? Which one was that for? Wait, like, that you was in the for canoe. Uh, the city of Johns Creek. It was. Yeah. That That's right. That's right. Yeah, that was cool. That was crazy. It was like there goes Chip. I hope we get him Johns back. Johns Creek is a great place to work, live, and play. Then <laughs> <laughs> you see the canoe go off the road. <laughs> yeah, we're like, don't mess up your line. It's gonna take thirty minutes to reset. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That was uh, cool. Well, I mean, so you know, you you've you've done so much in your career and you've talked to so many different kinds of brands. What kind of stuff do you I mean, like you love technology. You you've really been doing a lot of 3D rendering, you've been doing a lot of composites. What what have you seen change since you started this game and creative? What do you see working more? What do you tell in terms of your clients, like when you're consulting with a client for the first time, how do you go in? What's, what is your kind of discovery process? I mean, the first thing we have to understand is the products themselves. This is one thing why I stick to in my lane in the home and lifestyle category. I mean, I really understand home products. I understand furnishings. I understand tools. I say it's, you know, it's uh, paper towels to power tools. It's a big category, but it still has a sweet spot. Um, I have a lot of experience personally, right? I'm not like Google searching, you know, what does this tool do, right? I mean, <laughs> if I haven't used it for more than 100 hours, you know, I act like I'm a novice, right? So I think a lot of the other agencies that are out there, that's what happens, right? They're expert marketers, but they're not expert in products. Mm -hmm. And I actually lean on the expertise in, in usage. I understand the demographic because I am one, right? right. I'm, the I'm a tool guy. I'm a design lover. I'm a furniture lover. 
Uh, I've built furniture. I spec furniture every day still. And it's, that's why it's important that I do these other things is it somehow oddly makes me much more relevant in the production environment when I'm dealing with brands. Yes. So you have to understand yeah. the product, um, but you also have to understand the consumer really, really well. The brand is kind of caught in the middle of this. Um, it's not less important, but there's the two sides, right? There's the product and then there's the, the, there's the consumer. And if you figure out how to effectively connect those, the brand messaging starts to work itself out a little bit. Well, I mean, on that note, do you think social media market marketing is diminishing the quality or the, you know, the quality of, of content or expertise in favor, say, of, of reach and influence? I mean, these like, you know, 22 year olds that like, to your point, don't really have expertise. They don't know the products. They just have channel. They just they have, have distribution. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, th this is what I'll say. There's no denying authenticity. There's no denying real experience. And when you see a content piece of somebody pimping a product that is just pimping the next thing and somebody that really understands it, this is also where the passion comes in. You can't fake the passion right. in, a re in a realistic scenario for something like this. You can't fake real, believable, anecdotal type situations that other users that are authentic relate to immediately. There's those little nuances that you can't Google search to find out what they are. That is the magic. Mm -hmm. And... That's again, that's, this is why I stay in my sweet spot. This is why I don't, you know, rep uh, shampoo. I know nothing about it. <laughs> so you're saying Adam, Adam shouldn't rep power tools? <laughs> I don't, I, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. I mean, go for it. But I don't yeah. think he'll be successful wildly at it. I mean, Bla blazers, blazers and scarves, perhaps. But blazers exactly. and scarves, assless yeah. chaps, sunglasses, <laughs> all of those things. My sweet spot. Stay um, in your lane. Stay in your lane. So much, you know, that I admire about you, Chip, is your ability to negotiate and the way you read your customer. Um, it's, man, it's amazing. One of the things, too, that I, I've seen you do is is freemium, you know, the give to get and, and bring people in, getting them to trust you. Tell me about that experience in terms of how often you're, you're kind of... I don't know that that the dance, the the you know the politics of dancing with a with a, a new client that doesn't know you. They know that you're you know a celebrity influencer. They know they've seen kind of some of the stuff that you've done, but they, they've never worked with you. What what's what's your approach? There is a pocket of relationships that I think fall in the category of that. You know really, really give to get. I mean, any of the relationships that I have ongoing, that's part of the process. Um, mm -hmm. It's part of the process of continued sales with somebody that I may have done a million dollars worth of business with in the past. It's not just like a, a give back for the sake that they've spent a lot of money. It's a, there's a creative ideation and exploration that sometimes has to happen without a contract. Um, that happens, right? But, but not only that too. Oh yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, no, you know, so often we, you know, we're always just focused on what's the right solution, what's going to be right for that particular customer. And, and if it means giving more or taking less in that moment, you know, it seems like we're, we're constantly, you know, you and I'll be on a project. It's like, we need to, we need to do this. We need to go further. It's, it's right. Yes. Let's just do it. Yeah. And always doing a little bit more than even what you're paid to do, because it is what propels you to the next project. If you continue to do the same exact deliverable over and over and over again, you will be stale in six months. Every time we invest a little bit, which is manageable in every deliverable that we do, we learn something. And then we actually provide the upsell. We're, we're, we're providing value add to our consumer. We're also providing that undeniable portfolio that is the live stream of the future sale. So every time we're doing that, it's really, really important. Now, for a small business that's just getting started, it's really hard to do that. It's really hard because that, that mountain of investment when you feel like you're just trying to stay afloat is hard. 
Um, and so that is one thing I give a testament to, you know, working through this, trying, saving over the years, being responsible with money and not necessarily spending everything that we bring into the business on our own, you know, well-being. Uh, it's really, really important to be able to do that and be able to make that decision confidently and with passion in the moment so your clients do really feel like you are that partner that they hope you to be. So this is during normal times. Now we're in the COVID, you know, global pandemic times. Like how, I mean, how have you seen companies shifting or pivoting or responding, reacting, zigzagging to, you know, the, the new normal? I mean, now it's, we're in a different ball, ballpark. How, 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 how are you kind of consulting your clients through this experience? You know, you gotta, you gotta really, again, I don't know the, all the answers to this, but what I've seen is that the apprehension that I feel with even some of my long-term relationships, I got to put myself in their position. I mean, these guys are likely in corporate jobs, very uncertain times, right? I mean, are they about to get furloughed tomorrow in a fortune 500 company? It could happen, you know, like this whole like W2 employee, you know, farce of I got a job, I'm good. I mean, that's the one thing I've learned from being self-employed is that a W-2 employee's, you know, confidence might be a little overstated. <laughs> you know? Well, it's uh, one, com- one com- confidence can easily become complacency. In that, your, that's right. So I, mean, I, I try to put myself in their position and I try to figure out if I was in sitting at their desk right now, what would be a great service to me? That is a great perspective to have all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. But right now, especially when I talk to a long-time relationship, I think, you know, yeah, I'm, I am selling. I, I'm, I'm creating a, a commodity that I feel like has worth to them in exchange for another commodity, right? right. But oftentimes that's, that transition is money. Um, sometimes it's knowledge. Uh, sometimes it's that little bit of creative juice uh, that needs to be, you know, put into the mix to help them do their job better, to give them insight, to help them sell through a position or a outlook or a concept in this time of uncertainty that maybe they don't have the bandwidth or the knowledge base or the capacity to present themselves, which provides a sense of stress for them. So if you can partner with your partners to help them more fully suss out what they need to be doing during this time, whether it has to do with your book of business or not, this is going to end up solidifying relationship in such a way that will pay off. And it's a long-term play. Totally. It's not all about just doing stuff for free. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. But sometimes it's not just deliverable. Sometimes it's intellectual. Uh, well, and that's where, the, that's where the value is. I mean, and right now, I think it's more important, you know, than ever to, to just try and be valuable and, um, yep. and, and, and success will follow. Yeah, well, I mean, I, because, I, yeah, they know that, like, we're everybody's wanting business. Everybody's, like, wanting to, you know, oh, man, I'm afraid that I'm not going to, you know, be making enough money or am I going to be able to sustain my employees? Like, we need to be actually converting dollars. So right. everybody has a bit of a chip on their shoulder now anyways, like, with that, like, <clears throat> you know, I read these, like, very volatile things, even, like, on LinkedIn where they're like, don't call, like, understand and be respectful of the times. Don't call and try to sell me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, you know, like, like this is like elementary, you know. Like if you're doing that in sales, then like, you know, you still you're, have you're your, not uh, your rookie the, card, yeah, big yeah. time, you know. Right. But I think that that also shuts down the thought of what you're doing when you're selling is you're providing service, you know. And some of those commodity returns is, is cash, and sometimes it's it's building that that. 
portfolio of relationship. That, that's why I feel like I'm successful more now than I was 10 years ago is because I can convert much faster. That is not just because of what we're offering. It's because of that relationship, for sure. So, so who do you think's killing it right now? It doesn't have to be in home and lifestyle, but what brands across the board um, do you think are really responding well to coronavirus and kind of the times right now? Well, aside from saying specific brands, I'll say what the brands are doing. Um, okay. I don't see Fair a enough. lot of um, I don't see a lot of heavy outward advertising campaigns happening right now with brands, like overtly, mainly because of their truthfully, likely you know liberal perspective of not trying to offend the general population with with advertisements. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, but they're doing it in a little bit of a creative way. The ones that I feel like are really succeeding are the ones that are investing in the platform for the two months from now. Mm -hmm. um, that is what I see kind of churning. And what, and what does that look like, Chip, for you? This, this means investing in the uncertain forecast of what's in the future, right? One thing we're seeing huge, obviously huge in y'all's business is the decline in physical trade show uh, exhibitions and the like, right? Yeah. There's billions and trillions probably of dollars uh, with uh, just a handful of huge brands that are displaced by not being able to reach their consumer because of the lack of physical connected uh, events. Yeah. They're trying to figure out what is, what is the solution. Some brands that aren't doing it well are looking very, very short term. And they're saying, mm -hmm. okay, what can we do to kind of patchwork something together to make our customers feel like we're doing something, right? Mm -hmm. I hear this a lot. It's a really weak position. Um, it's a very, I feel like, poorly managed um, you know, uh, uh, corporate structure, you know, that kind of has that type of mentality. And then there's the others that I feel like are doing great that are really thinking, okay, you know, we will probably get way back more towards a normalcy, but this isn't going to completely go away. And I've seen this for the past three, four years. That's why I've been actively uh, searching out solutions, creating and pitching concepts for virtual experiences that allow us to reach consumers and us to come together without the physical presence necessary. It just allows us to move quicker. Um, it's more relevant than anything right now. But that true solution is much more complicated. Uh, and so brands that are investing in that more holistic, interactive, um, kind of peer-to-peer, -peer, uh, not just like a direct e-com reface, but something that truly is experiential. This is where we are with technology. This is what's uh, becoming possible. Uh, and again, you guys are right in the middle of it. I'm yeah. right in the middle yeah. of it with you. Um, and But the brands that are thinking this way, uh, is uh, that's what's impressive to me for from a corporate structure standpoint. Yeah, it's, it's not so much about even what's available you know, even right now, and though, although that is changing quickly, as we've seen with some of the projects that we're working on together, um, but it is that just future forward looking. I mean, there is a big shift. Um, live events are going to take time to come back. Uh, they're not going to bounce back. It's going to be something where people, you know, have to become um, right. confident and, and comfortable again, traveling and, and, and networking that way. And also for, for brands to feel like it's, it, you know, the investment's worthwhile. So, you know, this is the time where I think you're right, you know, companies that are thinking about not just even the next few months uh, or the next few years, um, but it's what's going to be possible as we go forward, um, probably even the next five years or so. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that that's, said, your HR department said we could retake the drug test. Uh, just let us know. <laughs> I mean, all right.
it's probably fine. Our applications are fine. Okay, oh. last last question. <laughs> last question. What are you most excited about, Chip? I mean, you are somebody that has so much energy. I, I when I first met you, I was hungover after being at Vankman's with Josh all night, and we were drinking Bloody Marys, and you came to the table with this like glow, and I was like, "Who's got the bag of coca leaves?" And you just naturally have that energy. So what what is that energy telling you? Like, what are you excited about? Like, what what do you want to go out and get right now? It's really just a specialty facial bronzer and moisturizer. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that Chip had to plug that for this yeah. episode. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Please send me You know, I think I have, I have a relentless pursuit for wanting to create an environment where people can experience things that maybe they wouldn't normally have the opportunity to experience. And this has nothing to do with business. This is really a personal thing for me. Like um, before I uh, moved into the house I'm sitting in right now, seven years ago, you know, I told my wife, you know, my definition of success is I want to be able to fully be able to pay for a place where people can come over, they can eat, drink, play, sleep. They don't necessarily have to be invited. They don't necessarily have to have an agenda for why, but it's a place that's compelling to want to come and to spend time together. Uh, and that vision just continues to grow, but with that same exact thread. So all of this, my why is this is a means to a dynamic end, but the end still has the vision, my island that I look at, you know, in the midst of being in the waves and kind of being able to peek over them occasionally, but feel like I'm drowning sometimes, but I'm always heading towards that vision of, uh, of having some type of environment that, uh, that uh, people can come and experience life uh, and freedom and uh, enjoyment with their family, with their friends. Uh, and I somehow get to, you know, be a part of that uh, directly or indirectly. Um, and again, so the the joy of creating scratches my itch every day. Um, but that's my long term. Uh, well, I want to I want to come to your island, and yeah. I want to scratch that itch. <laughs> Everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. <laughs> Wilson. Um, <laughs> Well, Chip, it's been a blast talking with you. As always, you are a friend. You are our partner and colleague. Um, any parting thoughts, Josh? Because you're you're very deep today. Tell us. No, no, uh, Chip. Thanks for being here. We've been, uh, you know, wanted to get you on the show for some time now, and um, we're looking forward to coming down to Misty Mill, man, hanging out with you Likewise. and Polly and the kids. That's where the creative juices stir. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers to that. Thanks, Chip. That's right. Thanks, awesome. Chip. Thanks, guys.